in general, the more purposeful you are, the better your results will be. And I think purpose can mean so many different things and we've covered so many of them. Welcome to How Do You Feel, a podcast with info and inspo to help you tune in to your fitness, nutrition, and mindset. I'm your host, Casey Zavaleta, and together we'll explore how we can optimize our physical and mental health so that we radiate positivity and happiness from the inside out. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of How Do You Feel? Before we get into the bulk of this episode, I wanted to share a quick little PSA with everyone. I have some spots open for monthly online programming, for nutrition coaching, and for habits coaching. If you're curious what any of those look like, or if you're interested in working with me, you can go to caseyzavaleta.com and I've laid out all of the details for those three ways that we could potentially work together. I just have a couple of spots open for each of those. So if you're interested, make sure you check out the website and you can contact me right through that website if you'd like. You can also just shoot me a DM on Instagram or send me an email, caseymzavaletta at gmail.com. If you are a trainer and you're interested in education, DTS is currently registering for our virtual level one course as well as our virtual habits coach course. DTS Level 1 teaches you all of the foundations. You learn how to assess clients, you learn how to give them proper mobility stability protocols, and then you learn how to program specifically for your clients. Habits Coach is a course that teaches you a system to help your clients improve their habits. So like I said, we are currently registering for both of those courses. If you're interested, you can pop over to dtsfitnesseducation.com to check those out. All right, for today's episode, I brought Eric back onto the podcast because it had been a while since I had pulled him on for an episode and we talked all about recovery and phases of training. So I hope you all enjoy this episode with my husband, Eric. Hi everyone. Great news this week because I've coerced Eric into coming back on the podcast. It's been a minute since he's been on. So welcome back, babe. Excited to talk to you. Thank you. It's it's about time. So lots has happened since you were on the podcast last. A crazy season last year. Say the least. Wrapped that up. Off season, you were a free agent. We're back in Toronto. We moved tons of stuff. So you did the update for me. Well, that was the summary, and now I want to ask you about all of those things. So tell me about the end of last season and how things kind of wrapped up and where your head was at as things ended. Well, we ended in Hartford, Connecticut, which is something I didn't expect to ever say. Um, And why were you in Hartford? Well, because the government over here in Canada is very, very strict, and we weren't able to play games at our home stadium, so... We had to move, and Hartford, Connecticut, and University of Connecticut, specifically that stadium, was the the place that they chose for us. So we ended our season there, which was hard. I mean, we were away 
what did we say like 180 days of the year last year or something crazy so yeah you counted it up and i think it was just about half the year that you were away from home which was obviously a record and and the crazy thing is is the time spent at home was probably the most time spent at home specifically in home because there was nowhere to go obviously i think everybody feels that one so that wasn't specific to me but it was a crazy year so uh it didn't end the way we wanted to but in terms of the result in terms of the result yeah because so, you lost in the first round of the playoffs last year. We did. We did. Um, but it was tough. I mean, look, trying to have to move everybody into a hotel, into a foreign city, and have no home field advantage, it just takes a little bit of the buzz of it all away from you. And we all felt that, and I think you can see that you could see that in, in our final game of the season for sure. What do you feel like was the most challenging part for you personally? During that experience living in Hartford... <laughs> Uh, I I don't know. I think probably just it was all different. I mean, I'm a very routine-oriented person, especially in the season. I think a lot of guys are, especially guys that have been around and done this for a long time, and your routine was thrown off so many times with travel. And we were traveling the day before the game or the day of game sometimes, whereas usually it's a couple days before. And then when you're traveling to a home game, but it's actually in a way – hotel suite in a place you don't know with nothing to do it's just it's completely different so I think that part was was quite challenging but it was something that I turned certainly gained a lot of respect for and experience with to be able to carry it on to unfortunately probably this year Mm. so there would be sometimes last year when you would literally travel the morning of a game spend half a day in a hotel, play that night, and then come back that like night. late, late that night. Yeah, That's insane. Yeah, it's, it's actually like a relatively normal NBA schedule. So it's not like completely mm-hmm. insane, but they're used to that. And they're also, their games are different and so many things, but that's not something we're used to for sure. Um, and so just... The travel in general just it, it it adds a toll. It takes a toll on your body and it takes a toll on your mind also. And I experienced both of those things last year. Mm-hmm. So then we moved into the off season when your contract with TFC was up, and I think we both were preparing to have not have to, but we were preparing for a move, preparing for potentially going somewhere else. So tell me about the experience in the off season being a free agent and what that was like yeah i mean we we knew that we would have the freedom of choice for maybe the first time in my career um to be able to choose just any city any country any league anything really like when you're free agent you're you're exactly what it is you're free and so i it was liberating i think to have that in your head but at the same time it was it was tough timing just coming off a year where I didn't play a ton of games last year and if I could tell you how cheap and how maybe cheap's not the best word but how tight people and teams were with their finances this offseason it was difficult because everybody took a hit especially Mm -hmm. in the sports sports landscape last year and so I quickly realized that this wasn't going to be the free agency that I had hoped it would be with tons of teams offering tons of money in all kinds of directions just because of the situation we were in and so 
I really wanted to make it about the right opportunity, the right opportunity for us together and for me on the field. And so I think it became easier once I was able to narrow down what exactly what I wanted and what teams then I was in, that were interested in me. And so it was fun. I, I, I enjoyed it. I think I enjoyed it maybe more than you did. <laughs> I know I was making a face because, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I would call it fun because I just feel so much like I know that you factor in how I feel and what I think, but mm-hmm. also like it's not a move for me, like it's a move for your career. And yeah. so I just felt like a little on the back burner, just like waiting in the uncertainty. Sure. But I know what you mean. You've experienced I, that before too. Mean. So you yeah. had some experience with that and I think you were able to handle it better with that. But in the end, the opportunity to stay here for me felt too good. Uh, I have tons of history, obviously, with this club, with this city. It feels like home to both of us now. And so the opportunity to stay here was, was one that I took in the end. And so I feel very comfortable with that decision even now a couple months later. And the one the one caveat and scary thing to think about this year being that, that we're not exactly going to be in Toronto, even though I play for Toronto FC again this year. It's a whole new city. And a whole new experience this year, but again, like I said a couple a couple minutes ago, like the experience from last year, I think is only going to help me, help us, help the team, help everyone, and potentially making it more successful. Yeah. Last year was a year of extremes. Of you're either home all the time, or you're away for long stretches of time. And I think it taught us a lot about maintaining a relationship in both of those situations, the value of time and spending time together. You know, I'm obviously very happy that we're back in Toronto, but I know that it's also not going to look like a regular season. So what we're looking at this year is in potentially a few weeks, you're moving to Orlando where you'll spend, we don't know how much time, Because a couple of months, probably at least, at least yeah. because we don't know when Canada will let U.S. teams come play here, which was what would be required for you to kind of have Toronto as your actual home base. Right. The border is shut down and it's been shut down yeah. for a year now almost, which is insane. Our families haven't been able to come visit and I'm sure some of your listeners experience the same thing. Like this, this past off season, seeing our families for the first time all year was something that was just new and foreign to us. So yeah, teams, teams definitely can't come. And the government is very quick to say, I don't care if you're Toronto FC or Toronto Raptors or a random rec league, like it's just, these are the rules and this Mm -hmm. is what we're going to abide by. So we're down to Orlando. We're down to Tampa. I think those two cities will play games in both. And uh, hopefully we'll have some Toronto FC fans down in Florida cheering us on. When you look forward to the season, what's the one thing that you're most excited for, for this season? Well, we have a new coaching staff. And so it feels like there's a whole new lease on life for our team. It's come and brought just a different energy. And we had had the same core group of guys and the same coaching staff for, I think it was five years, six years maybe. Um, and now in my seventh year at the team, which is pretty crazy to say, it's just, it feels new again. And so that part of it's exciting. And, um, I'm very hopeful for not only myself individually, but us collectively to be able to have uh, a really good season. So we'll see what happens. 
Same, same, but different this year. Same, same, but different. Exactly. <laughs> awesome. Okay, today I want to chat about a topic that I know that you live all the time because I watch it. We're going to talk a little bit about recovery and phases of training and why it's important to have different phases of training. And we're going to talk about that both on sort of a micro scale and then on a macro scale. So first of all, recovery is obviously so key to your profession. When you have a day when you've just had a game or you've had a really challenging training session and you know that you have a short window of time that you need to be recovered in, what are your main things that you do, specific things that you do for your body to say, this is going to accelerate my recovery? Yeah, it it's something that has taken a lot of fine tuning for sure. Um, and it starts immediately once the session's over. So a lot of times it's an ice bath initially. I've found a lot of success with that, whether that's straight 10 minutes of an ice bath or some form of a contrast between hot and cold. Um, Are you still able to do those with COVID? <laughs> that's a great question. It changes every day. Um, and, and meaning that we have big tubs, but they're limited one per, per person at a time. But then the next day they're closed and it's not as, it's not as straightforward as it used to be, but I think in general, yes, we we try to find creative ways to do it. So mm. I try, and even on the road, they'll put ice bags and, and trash bags and all kinds of things of, of ice just so that you can fill your tub with ice and and try to make an ice bath yourself. So we try to find ways, but it starts again right away, right away with with after training, and then from then it's how much recovery you can do, meaning rest um, for the rest of the day. How much of that needs to be active recovery? So I found that doing absolutely nothing isn't particularly great, but doing too much isn't great. So, so what would that look like? So like you know, in my day-to-day life, like a walk with Molly, I think would, or in general by myself would be beneficial just to keep moving, but that's it for the day. Mm. Um, I'm Mm. definitely not running around doing a bunch of things. And then when nighttime starts to come, I think there's a few things that I've learned in the past couple of years that obviously you've seen and we've learned together and that have helped me. And the first one is blue light glasses. Um, My whoop data will show you that There's a significant difference um, when I wear them versus when I don't. Um, Mine showed that too. Did you see that? I just posted that on my story the other day. Whoop is so cool because these are our our wearable devices that we have, and they track all of these different pieces of data from our day. So we get to put in whether we wore blue light glasses or not. We yeah, get like to a put journal in, in the morning. Yeah. This is like the, the closest to real journaling that you will ever get. <laughs> <laughs> Me specifically. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, you put in whether you meditated, you put in what, you know, you put in, did you drink alcohol? Right. All of these things. And it's very cool because yes, it's just on you. So it's not like, it's not like causation, but it can say, you are more likely to have a higher recovery the next day when you do this. That is so powerful. And so mine actually said that too. I think it's like my recovery tends to be 38% better when I wear my blue light glasses at night. That's a significant number. That's huge. (laughs) I don't know exactly what mine is, but it definitely helps. And so that's definitely something that I, again, in this hypothetical scenario that I need to recover quickly, that's something I'll definitely do. Mm -hmm. Um, 
meditation before bed has become a practice for both of us. Um, it's helped me go to sleep faster. I think you too. Um, and then I, I'm, I'm the type of person that sometimes I'll struggle to go to sleep, but once I'm asleep, I have no problem. And so it's been a tool for me mm. to to use to go to sleep and it's something that I've committed to doing every day anyway so just it's the timing of when I as as you as a habit expert would say stack it um, and it's been very helpful for me in terms of sleep and so those two things very much help me and I think you you mentioned another one which is no alcohol like the, the difference if you have one glass of wine with dinner versus if you don't even is is significant mm. for me and mm. i don't know how specific to me that is or or general but those three things are are definitely three tools add the ice bath immediately after and some some active rest during the day have have been really successful for me nice yeah i love those alcohol is an interesting one because you know what i think for me it's not as black and white i find that amount and timing really matter I can get away with having an awesome recovery score. And this is me, obviously. I'm not a professional athlete, so I'm not, my strain (laughs) during the day is not typically as high as yours. But if I have one or two glasses of wine and I stop drinking them by 6 p.m., I can have a great recovery score the next day. It actually hasn't made that much of a difference. It's if I'm having a glass or two or three at 8 p.m., 9 p.m., Yeah. huge difference yeah that's it's interesting an, that's another thing i would say too that i think the whoop journal has taught me is is consumption of any kind whether that be alcohol or food within a certain number of hours before bed say two it definitely affects my ability to hit rim sleep longer or get really good quality sleep and so i think that those two go hand in hand and it makes a ton of sense to me but this is it's a person by person thing i was listening to jj reddick's podcast the other day and he was on with another nba player and they were saying this is i think year 14 for him so like me he's really figured these things out and he was saying look some of the best games i've ever had i had a couple glasses of the wine the night before so yeah it's not a strict rule that everybody needs to follow it's not something i do um but it changes for everybody yeah yeah okay so those are awesome recovery tips Let's zoom out a little bit more and talk about training kind of more on a week-to-week basis. So I'm going to talk a little bit about phases of training. The reason that this is top of mind for me is because this past week for me was actually a deload week. Mm. Deload weeks are not something that I always did. They are definitely something that I've done in the last couple of years. And I think I've done even more consistently because I have a coach that reminds me that I should take deload weeks every once in a while. So what a deload week is, is you back off on your volume and intensity for a week. For me, I continue to do the same movements. It's just less sets, less weight, meh, probably around the same reps. Mm -hmm. It's very powerful. You can't always be go, 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 push, push, push. And I think it can be hard sometimes because if you're not seeing the bigger picture, you just continue to show up in the gym and continue to do the challenging workouts every single week. 
So having a coach, shout out to Tish, thank you, <laughs> to say this would be a good week to actually back off a little bit is a really good thing. So I think sometimes that people feel like in life that vacation, that sickness, that these other life things that tend to get in the way kind of act as their built-in deload weeks. I've heard people say that before. I don't know if you've ever heard of anyone talking like that, of saying like, well, vacation is my time to take my break or Mm -hmm. my time to deload. I actually don't feel like it's the same thing. Uh, Yeah, I I was actually going to ask you that question. (laughs) Like, what's I agree, and by and the reason I agree is because of the definition you just said of a deload week. And deload week is not an off week, it's an on week, but you're doing less in terms of weight, right? That's it. Exactly. Yeah. So what do you do on vacation? On vacation, <laughs> you tend to yeah, generally. have a completely different schedule. You might drink more, eat more, eat out more. Like it's just, it's completely different. So you're just, it's just off basically. I'm definitely on vacation, not putting blue light glasses on and (laughs) meditating right before bed every single day. It's just not, it's just not what I'm doing. Which you shouldn't. You know, but I think that's, I think that's valid. I think that's, you shouldn't. But that's different than a proper deload week. Mm -hmm. Deload weeks are very cool because they allow you to hone in on your technique. Mm -hmm. They take a little bit of the mental burden off of going in and being like, oh my gosh, I have to hit four sets at a really heavy weight at this many reps. Like, you don't realize it, but going into the gym and doing that every single day, it can start to wear on you. So I think that this idea of a deload week can be so crucial. So the reason that I bring this up is just to throw it out there to everyone, that if you are doing the same intensity of workouts all the time, you actually might wanna think about having this deload sort of technique week where you can back off and give your, your physical body, your mental self a little bit of a rest, a little bit of a chance to breathe, and then you come back that much stronger after. It can be a really good thing. It's like a form of active recovery, like we talked about, right? Like you're not doing nothing, you're doing something, but you're not going as hard as you you were maybe the week prior. And it's impossible to go that hard every single day, every single week. It's just your body's not built to withstand that. Exactly. I also want to talk a little bit about having workouts that are always varied, Like where you go in the gym and you do whatever exercises versus going in the gym and doing very similar exercises every time. This past off season, you were on a training program that looked a little bit different than I think you've done in other years. And one of the differences was that you were more consistent in the movements that you were doing. So you would more consistently have your deadlifts. You'd more consistently have your get-ups. The frequency was there over a matter of a couple months. Did you notice any difference in the results that you got from having that kind of consistency in your, in your strength training workouts? The short answer is yes. I, I think I'm still realizing some of those gains. Um, as we started preseason, what, like two weeks ago now? What is time? I don't know. Um, but 
we just started, but at the same time, I've, I feel like I've realized a lot of those gains already. And one of the main things is those deadlifts specifically is I feel more fine tuned in my power and explosiveness a bit. You know, I think, I think I'm harder to move around for other players, if that makes sense. Like they can't just run around you? No, like meaning more... like they can't just like push me around. Got you know? it. Yes. I feel like I'm, I'm sturdier yeah. in that mm-hmm. way. And I think that's something that's, I've felt an immediate trans transition with and, it's obviously important in the position that I play and it's fun. It's, it's, there's nothing better than results, right. And feeling results. And so that's one thing that I can already feel the results of. And so especially in a time where it's difficult to get back into the gym because now we're running as much like to be able to have those gains already with me has been really important. You got strong. Yeah. You got really strong. That was fun to watch. <laughs> yeah, I think, like you said, consistent exercises were helpful for me, but they were also personalized, you know? I think I did some things where I had some deficiencies and I made some gains in some areas where I already had some strengths, but there was room to grow. And so finally, I realized some of those things and was able to really hone in on those things. And I think it was even more successful because of that. Let's zoom out even one more time mm-hmm. and talk even more on a big overview of what training looks like throughout the whole year. So we're alluding to this idea that training in the off season is a lot different than training in season. So there, there are different phases of training built into your year. Why do you feel like that's important? What would happen if you tried to train the exact same way for the entire year doing the same thing of anything eventually your body gets used to it for one Mm -hmm. Um, whether that's if you run two miles every day sure that's great and I'm sure you're achieving a lot and you're very fit but it's the same thing and so your body's taking it this is receiving essentially the same information every you're gonna plateau yes and I think what an off well first of all during the season I'm running more than I'm lifting yeah sure we throw in a couple lifts a week but it's less about growth and strength and more about maintenance Mm -hmm. and in the off season I really try to make it about growth and strength and trying to add some components that you're less so able to do so during the year and I think that's the way that I've done it. And I think it's been beneficial to me. So it's not possible to do during the year because of how much running you're doing and have how sore you'll be from that running that you're doing. And so you can't do it all basically, but when you're running a little bit less in the off season and giving your body and the pounding of your joints, a little bit of a break, especially in my old age, wink, wink, then, uh, then Eric acts able like to. he has the body of a 50-year-old. Not anymore. It's like back to 27. <laughs> I've really fine-tuned it. But no. <laughs> but yes, no. I, I mean, I've taken, up, I've, taken up, <laughs> I've taken a pounding for sure. I mean, on my body over the last 10 years. So, But yes, in general, I think that moment and being able to be specific with the things you're doing and the gains you're making in the off-season is really important because during the season it's about something completely different and that's getting results on the field and ultimately 
a completely different type of training. Mm-hmm. What was the year when you were in Champions League and your season, your off season was just compressed? Was that 2017? I was going into 2018. It's, yeah, it's so fun, 2017. It's funny you bring that up because there was all news this past year about the NBA and how incredibly short their off season was and it's the shortest in the history of off seasons and sport and all these things and it's funny because it wasn't it was double the length of that off season that you're referring to I think it was like three weeks that we had off and we had the final on December 11th or December 10th one of those and then I think we reported back like Mm -hmm. January 10th like it was three to four weeks what's the problem with that not enough time right but why do you need time you need time to one rest Mm. from all of the load that you've put on yourself throughout the year i usually take like a week it's not much but it's something a week of of what nothing right like walks yes yes active rest but i wouldn't call it i wouldn't even call it deload like i would call it rest yeah sure like your active recovery kind of thing like one walk a day and you're chilling (laughs) which is yeah. yeah But then your training when you start back up, it still looks way different than what you're doing during the season. Yeah. So it's still it's just like a different mode and, of training. And in that too. year, it was honestly, it didn't change really. It, it couldn't change. It was mm-hmm. just more of the same because we were picking back up days later. And it goes without saying that was the most injuries we've had in in a year for our team, for myself. For everybody, it was just a really difficult scenario to manage. And I think you're seeing that in the NBA right now, even at a different scale. There's just more injuries because of less of that specialized movement and injury prevention is what a lot of it is, but also rest and how important those things are. You say it goes without saying, but I actually think that that's a very important take home for people to come away with. Mm. When you do the same thing, same intensity, pounding on your body every week of the year, you're setting yourself up for injury because you're not balancing it out with other modes of training. So I think that's actually something that's very translatable into other people that are training. Definitely. If you're a runner and all you do is run all the time, you're setting yourself up for injury. Definitely. If you're a lifter and all you do is deadlift, Every time you're in the gym, you're setting yourself up for injury. Like you, we have to balance it out also in in like a more macro style of our training. We think about phases. So I really like the concept of having a three month intention. What's your goal for these three months? Mm-hmm. You know, I've been getting a little little bit more into cardio respiratory. <laughs> training a little bit to balance out the strength training focus i normally have it's hard when it's like one degree outside (laughs) but yeah but but you are trying that's true (laughs) but my point is i think it's good to lean into that sometimes and then i think it's good to lean into i'm going for strength sometimes and then it's good to lean into different lifts and then muscular endurance and then like have consistency within that three or four months but we've, it, your body responds best on a big scale when you have those phases of training built in. And I've, I've learned that from watching you and, yeah. and learning the importance of the off-season and watching how different things are. Yeah, I think in general, the more purposeful you are, the better your results will be. And I think 
purpose can mean so many different things and we've covered so many of them just on this this conversation in general and one of those purposes can be rest and another can be a deload week and another can be balls to the wall give me everything you got for 30 seconds like there's a purpose for everything mm-hmm. but the same purpose all the time is is not going to lead to long-term results i don't think yep absolutely yeah. i agree with you yeah. awesome do you have any final thoughts on this sort of conversation we're having about recovery and phases of training before we move on to our fun question quick fire round no i i think that these are, this is a great conversation to have because when people are the most motivated it's very difficult for them to schedule in rest and schedule in recovery yes and i think that people it's, don't do it yep. it's something that makes yep. people feel lazy because mm-hmm. the world has chosen that for us almost and the outside pressures or whatever it may be and so I remember this with my mom specifically when she she's going the hardest it was like the hardest thing to tell her was not to get in the gym it was to get out of the gym for a day Mm -hmm. and long-term results which is and feeling the best which is what I know you're trying to get your listeners to do is sometimes you need those and you have to listen to your body when you need those and so I think it's just as important as all the other training you do. It's just, it's another tool that you got to keep in your toolbox to be able to, to have the most healthy, sustained success. Nice. I think I actually love the word that you said and purposeful. The most ideal scenario is really purposeful training and really purposeful rest, both. Not the kind of rest that's like, oh, I just didn't plan and it got away from me or, oh, I was supposed to train in it. I just didn't feel like it or I didn't make it to the gym. Like purposeful days where you're saying this is my intention Mm -hmm. and then the same with training. I think that would be the most ideal. Obviously, we don't live in a perfect world. You don't have to be perfect. But I think think intentional rest is really powerful. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, I have a lightning round for us. Can't wait. Just for some fun. Okay. Four questions. We're both going to answer them some of them are about each other, not all of them. What's the first place you'd go if life was back to normal tomorrow? Oh, man, can nor- can life be back to normal tomorrow? That sounds nice. No, but we're going to speculate. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with Greece. Oh, wow. <laughs> you took it big. Wow. I was thinking like a restaurant. Oh. <laughs> Or oh. the nail salon. Yep. Nope, Greece. <laughs> <laughs> so, are you going to the nail salon? Because I'm awesome. going to Greece. Are you also going to get out of your season? or? <laughs> well, this I'm is confused. a hypothetical situation. Okay. Mine is the nail salon. <laughs> <laughs> I, I knew that answer. COVID nails, I don't like them. Yeah. An item of mine that you're most likely to steal. The item you're most likely to steal. Hmm. I mean... You're the stealer of stuff. <laughs> let's be honest. Okay, what? Okay. Well, I was going to say your socks because I just keep stealing your high socks. That's and true. You do. Not wearing my own. Because so it's cold and I need Your list is pretty bike. long. My list is pretty short. I have somebody to choose from. I know. What else do I steal from you? Sweatshirts. Yeah. Uh, Candles. I don't know. Candles. Because they're yours. Well, they're not really mine, but I hear you. But lots. Let's just put it that way. Okay. If you went a week without your phone, what about it would you miss the most? 
talking to my parents. That's so cute. <laughs> I, don't, I mean, Aww. I gotta be honest, like Twitter came to my mind. <laughs> but I talk to my parents all the time. I like to check in with them. I like to tell them about what's going on. And yeah. I think that's something I would definitely miss unless you're giving yeah. me another phone to do that then i would probably say twitter just because right. i like to pay attention to what's going on in the landscape of sports and the landscape of pop culture and lately it's cryptocurrency so all those things if you can follow only one account on twitter what account are you following i guess espn yeah makes sense i don't even know if i follow espn but but that would be generally comprehensive yeah, yeah. It, would, it would cover a lot Good. of boxes What's the best homemade cocktail that we've made? What is the whiskey one called? A whiskey sour. Whiskey sour. Yeah, that's pretty good. Even, yeah. though, even though you ate the egg yolk, and that was pretty gross. Okay, obviously editing that out. Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't you put it on your story? I, mean, I don't remember. <laughs> I think you did. I think I only sent that to close friends. Um, <laughs> I guess that's probably smart. I did eat the egg yolk. You know what? Their egg white goes in the drink, and it felt like a big waste of one of the most nutrient-dense foods <laughs> to just throw out the yolk. I had had a couple of whiskey sours prior, so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, my favorite? Your favorite. You didn't answer the last few questions, really. You can hit us. If I went a week without a phone, what would I miss the most? I hate my phone. Um. Audiobooks? Yes. That's it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, I really like my audiobooks. That's about it. I feel like I'm a, I like how I feel so much more when I, without a phone, mm. just in general. Yeah. So, yeah. It's a liberating feeling. My favorite cocktail that we've made ghost pepper margarita mm. we did our ghost pepper simple syrup infused thing and then yeah. we made a margarita from that that was awesome yeah that was those were that's a good choice okay my final question okay because molly's breathing and playing has probably been present in the audio of this podcast i would guess so that's the cutest thing that molly does your favorite thing molly does <sighs> probably every time every night that we finish dinner and you go to sit on the couch, you specifically, she sprints over and jumps on you every single night. It's yes. not me. It's I you. get tackled. Tackled. Every it's because, night. It's because you've been sitting on the couch all day, and that is the moment when I go sit on the couch. Active recovery, amped. people. <laughs> <laughs> right, it's part of his job. What's your, what's your favorite? Anyways, she's a light of my world, so I had to ask something about Molly. Amen. Thanks for joining me on this podcast. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. I should have you on more often. You're pretty good at this. Thanks. I try. (laughs) Thanks so much for listening to How Do You Feel? If you're enjoying what you're hearing, please subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. Rate and review the podcast. Those ratings and reviews really do go a long way. I appreciate them all so much. Better yet, share the podcast with a friend or family member that you think would benefit from the messages that we talk about on how do you feel. All right, guys, thanks so much for listening. I hope everyone has a great week. And as always, remember, get out there and do something that makes you feel good today.